wicka, wicka, wicka. This is Grace Moser, and you're tuned in to an episode of Annoyed TV. Memo finna start hacking out if I don't see him soon. Yeah, my best friend ain't backing out, it's still on sight. Fool, I'm the only one out here on the night loops. I'm the only one out here on the night loops. Trophy case still light, body need a race stripe. And these minerals on my body break light. And these reds on my body break light. New man coming up ahead on his own too. You a natural blondie like gold. You were just listening to Provider by Frank Ocean, one of the two songs selected by my guest today. Man, this episode is probably the most personal one that I've done. I've been lucky enough to see the growth, the ideation, the dedication, all of it in this project. Grace Moser, founder, creative director, designer of Beautiful Psychotic, is here with me today to talk about her origin, how she came up with the name Beautiful Psychotic, how the spiritual tie works into everything that she does, and much, much more. I mean, we talk almost every day, but talking in a setting like this was completely different and brought me so much closer to the brand and so much closer to Grace. Being able to ask these questions that I don't normally ask was so much fun, and I hope she had a good time too. But I'm not trying to get too sentimental or get too deep on everything, so I'll just let you guys listen. I'll see you on the other side. Tonight I might change my life. So today I'm joined by one of the most interesting people in the world. This one is very personal to me. And I'm glad that that we were able to sit down and log this one. It's been a lot of movement over the last few months, but I think this is the perfect moment for us to talk and reflect on everything that's happened and everything that's going to happen. This is probably one of my longer intros, but I'll give it up to them. First question, who are you? My name is Grace Moser. I am the creative director and designer of Beautiful Psychotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap, clap, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. I think, I feel like maybe a lot of people, I don't know if people would be surprised or it's just expected that this would be one that would happen. What do you think? I think it's expected in a way, but I think the fact that it's actually really like organic is something that might not be expected. Right. Like, you know, you're not just interviewing me because we're, like, together. It's because we came together because we both were doing stuff Mm -hmm. first. And it's just kind of a byproduct of that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I want to try to keep my two cents out of it as as much as I can. But like I said before, it's just a very personal thing that that, um, I feel connected to. And I'm very appreciative that you've brought me along on this journey so far but um let's let's get into it I mean I mentioned it at the top like this these last few months have just been a crazy whirlwind of happenings and events for you so how does it feel to have everything in the rearview mirror now it's all said and done you put your stamp on three different shows I think I'm just now starting to kind of relax because even though it's a good kind of stress, it was still very stressful and there was still a lot of pressure that went along with doing all those things, mostly because I was trying to prove to myself that I could do them and it was the first time I did a lot of those things. So it's definitely a relief to kind of have that finished. I have proven to myself that I can do it going forward, which is really nice. And then I also just feel really inspired, I think, inherently every time you finish a project like that that you've been working on for so long naturally it's just like okay what do I do next you know I'm so used to all that movement and now like I'm just sitting still and I'm just having all these ideas come to me and all this direction for possible future stuff so it's kind of exciting do you ever see yourself going on a run of like three shows right in a row back to back to back ever again 
I think once you kind of establish a brand that's kind of not the structure of things, usually you'll release a collection through a show and that's like a collection for a season. So that would be the only show I did for summer per se. But right now I'm definitely open to doing stuff like that again, just because I'm trying to get my brand out there. So I'm going to take every opportunity to do a show that I can get. Right, right. It's more, it's more about the exposure at this point. But I mean, I think it's important to make it quality. You know, you don't, not now that you're established to a degree, um, attaching your name to everything may, may not be the route that, that you want to go. Yeah, I think when it comes to like the three shows I just did in a row, you know, I don't have to hurry up and make a new collection for each. I think that's when it would get rushed and I might not feel as identified with all of it. But I was able to show the same collection a few different times just with different groups of people being able to see it. So it still feels very like me and it still feels very authentic, but I'm just exposing it to a different crowd. So I like that kind of thing. Right. Did did the freshness of it wear off by show three did you kind of know what to expect did you feel as connected to the work that you were putting out there by the third show I think so each of my collections I create with a lot of emotion so when I'm actually producing and designing the collections that's when it's kind of the most authentic to me by the time it actually gets to be on the runway, that's usually months down the line. Mm-hmm. And so those emotions don't seem as fresh to me. But the experience of doing a show is always really exhilarating. And there's always a lot of emotion that goes with that in a different way. Mm-hmm. So maybe just kind of like the raw emotions of the collection that kind of has been, you know, a long time coming. But just doing the shows, you know, that's that they're all unique to themselves. They all have their own energy. So Right. And all new people that you're connecting with, like you said, all new people that you're exposing your brand and your art to. Before we we talk about everything that that we just mentioned, the three specific shows that that we're talking about, um, let's let's take it all the way back as as we normally do. Talk to us about about who you were as a kid. What kind of things were you into? What what were you doing? Do you think anything that you were doing as a kid kind of informed or makes It makes sense why you're doing the work that you're doing now. Yeah. And since I've been listening to your interviews since you started, I've been thinking about this more. Um, I know as a kid, one of the main things that felt like me was that I would spend a lot of time outdoors, um, kind of just creating these fantasy worlds. Like I would, you know, make these fake houses out of wood and moss and plants and I would you know, tell everyone that I was the witch and they would come to me and I'd make them potions and stuff like that. And I think just that early connection to nature um, that was very natural definitely informs my designs today. And then I also, like looking back, realized that I was designing clothes from a young age. I remember I would look at popular singers and artists at the time and it was stuff like Lady Gaga at the time with her meat dress and just Katy Perry with these crazy outfits and I would get really inspired by that kind of thing and I remember that I would like sit at my grandma's house and just sketch all these outfits in notebooks and I would be so embarrassed my grandma would come in and I'd, she'd be like what are you doing I'm like oh I'm nothing right. <laughs> I'm reading this magazine because I think I doubted you know, if I'd ever really be able to do that or really make something cool. But I remember sketching stuff out from a really young age and just being really interested in that. So Yeah, for sure. And did did this connection to wanting to create and this connection to nature, did that ever wane for you as you grew older? I mean, because as a kid, you know, a lot of us go outside and we play, get dirty, all that kind of stuff. But um was, it, was that something that stayed kind of consistent with you throughout your life? I think I did doubt um, the ability that I had to make the creativity into something tangible as I grew up. Because you kind of learn over the years, if you pay attention to certain things like school and whatever, you're not really encouraged to go down that creative path. It's usually stuff that's more tangible or like based on money. And so I kind of started doubting that. And it was somewhere in late high school that a seed was planted and all of a sudden this creative world started opening back up for me and I started trusting myself with that a little more and experimenting more. And that was kind of, you know, 
something that made my brand even possible because I never had considered having a brand at all. I think I just didn't consider it in the wheelhouse of possibilities for myself at that time. But the cre- the um, connection to nature has always been consistent, even in some like of the harder periods growing up or in early adulthood. That was something that always grounded me um, through those hard periods and really brought me back to myself. So, yeah, that's that's always been consistent. Uh, I mean, we can't gloss over it. If, if you feel comfortable sharing, what, what was that seed that, that you mentioned? So I met this person and they were really they were really talented in music. And so I kind of just started experimenting with them. And even though I don't make music, I think they all those types of things are really interconnected. So just experimenting with that was just this reminder that I needed to say to myself, oh, I can make stuff. Mm. Like I, I have something that wants to be expressed coming through me, even though I didn't continue to make beats or make music or whatever. That's just not what is the most natural translation of emotion for me. Um, it still was kind of just that catalyst. So. What state of mind were you moving throughout life with before you had this reawakening that, you know, I can create things for myself or from my mind? That time that we're speaking of was a crazy time as well, just because it was also the beginning of like a very spiritual period for me. It was kind of this point in time that I was learning a lot of new stuff and incorporating it and just you know, I had always been connected to nature, but I was feeling it in a really different way. Um, so I think before that period, I was, I would call myself a chameleon back then. I kind of was going around with different people and I would kind of just match their energy. So I wasn't always bringing my own distinct energy to the rooms when I entered them. I wasn't creating art that was just feeling like me. I would kind of mimic what I saw on the outside. And I think that was part of just trying to figure out who I was. So, yeah, that the period of time of just, you know, regaining that creative trust with myself and the spiritual knowledge was me kind of just figuring out who I was and how I wanted to express that. Right. I mean, I think that's something that everybody can identify with, especially at that age. Right. It's just you're everyone's trying to figure out where where they fit in and how they how they want to be perceived by everybody, the things that they want to do. Um, but but it's, it's interesting that because even from my perspective, I feel like that's a pretty early age to have that switch to being like, oh, there's something within me. Like, I don't have to follow this this regular path. Yeah, the funny thing regular is Regular in quotes, sorry. Yeah. The funny thing to me is that I felt it earlier than that, but I didn't express it outwardly. I think that I knew that I had something I wanted to express, but I lacked the trust in myself and the confidence to do it. I didn't want to... I was afraid of being big, basically. I didn't want to make anyone upset with me or anything like that. It was very people-pleasing. So, you know, I knew that for a really long time, but it was just finally, like, showing it to other people. That was a big shift. And and was that point when you're interacting with, with this person and um, creating things for yourself, was that the point that you kind of gained confidence to put yourself out in front of everybody and make yourself this big personality or did that come later? I think yes, just simply because it finally was shown to somebody. Like even though it just started with one person, um, I wasn't as every single person that I showed it to, it was one stepping stone to being more comfortable with other people seeing it. And so just this initial key person being receptive to what I had to offer was like just you know a really big deal at that point um so you mentioned like people like Katy Perry and Lady Gaga I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if that's so much like role models but you know the things that they were wearing kind of inspired you but what was there any specific role models that you had growing up that um may, maybe have nothing to do with what you do now but just people that you admired the things that they did as a kid I will say that I was somewhat shielded from a lot of popular culture because my mom did not think it was really good for a young girl to see a lot of those things. So like when I say Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, I literally would have to like go over to my grandma's house and like walk to Drug Mart and buy a magazine and my mom couldn't know and I'd have to leave it at my grandma's type Mm -hmm. thing. So I didn't know a lot of, you know, role models in that roundhouse. But as I got older, one that emerged very early and still is has always been Frank Ocean. And it's not really 
just because, oh, I like his music, which I do. He's my favorite artist, but I also just really admire the way that he goes about his fame and how he carries himself in that light and just kind of the way he processes his emotions and makes that into art. So I kind of resonate with that a lot and definitely that shows through in my work, I think. Right. No, for sure. I mean, I think if you see the designs that you have and all of the energy and the vibe around beautiful psychotic, you understand the the tie and how it emulates Frank Ocean in in a certain way. And that's, that's something I, 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 ask you to go more in depth with because I think there is you're more than just like this girl that oh my god Frank Ocean da, 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 you know what I'm saying it there is something more there for you I believe right yeah it's crazy because I've never really put it into words and I don't know if I fully can but I can try but it's really this like deep you know, it's almost like this language that he speaks that I feel like I understand. And it's not words, it's the energy of it. And something about it resonates so deeply with my soul. And that's not just his music, it's also any visual imagery he creates. It's any story that he tells. It's, you know, just like I said, how he carries himself. Like, something about it really just resonates in a different way than any other artist I've ever come into contact with and that's not to say that I don't appreciate the work of lots of other artists and resonate with other artists but yeah something about it just kind of goes above and beyond I mean I would be so interested to see or hear a conversation between the two of you it will happen (laughs) just to (laughs) see you'll hear it (laughs) just to see exactly where those connections are like are you are you picking up on the things that he's putting down? <laughs> I don't think we talk much, to be honest. <laughs> it's just the presence, like, you know, it, I just, I don't know. I just appreciate that. He doesn't say much all the time. He just kind of shows or just exists, and you kind of can fill in the blanks. And that's how I kind of seek to exist, too, you know, kind of being a little bit of an anomaly. So you guys would just go in a room and just sit down and, like, nod your head. And be like, and hey. then and then get up and leave and be that kind of thing. Yeah, and I'd be fine with that. <laughs> right, right. You, you keep mentioning this spirituality tie. And if you look at all of the work and all of the language that you use in your work, where, where, did, that, where did that come from? Where, where did this strong sense of a spiritual other, a universal other kind of manifest for you? The funny thing is that, to be totally honest... Um, I feel like it's always been there. I don't remember a time in my life, even being really young, that I didn't have some really strong sense of purpose, even though that has looked different over the years. um, I felt a strong sense of purpose throughout everything that I've gone through. Um, I think I didn't have the vocabulary to express it when I was younger, though, and so learning... Like I said, it was late high school that I really started learning about tangible concepts and different traditions and stuff like that that gave me more of a vocabulary to say, oh, this feeling that I've had, like, this is what this may mean, or other people feel this too. Um, So that was kind of the differentiating period for me. And then ever since then, it's just kind of grown and... It's funny that I'm in this spot right now because I don't feel like for some reason, oh, it's at an all time high or I'm the most spiritual I've ever been or anything like that. Because I think after a certain point um, of learning concepts like that, it's just like, it's how do you live your daily life Mm -hmm. in a more intentional way? It doesn't always have to be this huge, you know, thing. It can be if that's what you, you like, but I think it's also just every little day to day thing as well. What do you have to say to the people that push back against spirituality and call it corny or they don't they don't see it the same way that that you may see it? Well, I think those that's two different people. I think someone that may not see it the way that I see it, that's absolutely valid. We all have our own perspective. It's actually impossible for someone to see it exactly the way I see it. Um, and that's all part of the human experience. We need all those people. I think, however, if someone says something is corny right off the bat, I think for that person, I would say, 
you know, what part of you feels threatened by it? Why do you feel the need to put it down? Is there a part of you that's afraid of it? You know, what are you mirroring outward to me and putting on to me by saying that it's corny? Because I don't know. I think there's always something there in that case. Mm-hmm. But it's not anything like, it's not like a retaliation. Like, no, you're corny. Like, fuck no. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I don't care, man. You can say what I do is corny. It doesn't affect me at all. Right, right. Um, now th- this is another one that, that I'm very interested to hear because I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever asked you this in, in all of the conversations that we had, but what in your mind is the most significant memory from your childhood that you think informs the work that you do now and even how you see the world? Oh my, that's a really big question. I have a lot of memories um, and it doesn't have to just be one. I, I always just pose it just in case there is one specific one. But if there's a few, um, feel free to share if you'd like. Well, I will say that I was raised in here in Ohio and that was the beach. So, you know, that was like I would go to my grandma's house and we would pack sandwiches and she would wagon us down to the beach for the day and we'd spend the day there playing in the water. And maybe it's not one memory, but kind of a cluster of memories. But I just remember... When I was young, I would get so lost in being there and I would, I remember swimming in the water and just feeling the water holding me and recharging me and feeling the energy of the sun on my face and just really connecting in that way. And I think as a kid, that's even more powerful because you are so present. Like you're not worried about the laundry that you had to do or the bill you have to pay when you get home. Like that was all that existed for me at that time. And I think I learned to trust nature in that those moments because it was like a second mother, you know. I mean, it was the real mother, but as a kid, I just, you know, it was just this place I went with my grandma and just really immersed myself. So even though that sounds so deep just for like a kid playing at the beach, but I just know that that's how I took it right. at that time. I, I know you. I know you well, I'd like to think. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> Even just based on the responses that you've given, it just seems like you've all, like you said, you you did say this, you've always been just a deep thinker and had really deep emotions about things. (laughs) Yeah, we laugh about it sometimes because I also used to like get so upset, like I was really happy kid, like I absolutely enjoyed everything. I was just so happy and so excited about life, but I also like on the other side of it would get so upset when something would go wrong or I would just be sad. Like I would be so sad, like just very dramatic. So, but I love it. I'm a Leo rising. Of course, of course. (laughs) But so my question off of that was just, I could see how a lot of people wouldn't be able to, I don't want to say meet you in, in a certain way. Cause that, that sounds like, you know, oh, you're so much smarter than everybody and all this, but is it ever frustrating? Do you ever feel like you can't get your point across fully to people because it's almost like you're speaking a different language, a different frequency, whatever, however you want to describe it? I think I used to because I used to label my creativity or the messages that I thought I had as so important or just something that people needed to know. And I think in a way that was also doing disservice to other people because I'm assuming that, you know, somehow I need to come along and give them this thing. Like Mm -hmm. they don't already have everything they need inside of them. Um, So in the last couple of years, I've just kind of detached from that and been like, you know, I'm making this art because I love, I genuinely love to express my emotion through it. And it's a very natural thing. Um, and it's the joy of doing it for me. And so it's like the right people are going to resonate with that. And I don't feel the pressure anymore to kind of translate that. And the other thing is that, you know, I don't really see it like that at all. I don't really see anything being hard to me. I think every person has a unique experience and perspective and energy that they bring regardless. And so there's always something to learn from someone, um, in every interaction so yeah was there ever a point in time that I mean you you just mentioned like you felt like you had to tell people you had to inform them about something that they were missing maybe was was there ever a moment that you can look back on and from from the perspective that you have now and be like maybe I was doing a little too much I was I was I wasn't 
giving the tools in the way that they should be given. Yes. I used to, when I first started my brand, feel very pressured to put a certain number of collections out or just constantly be putting things out. And for it to have this very intense message that, you know, took people aback and really made them reconsider things and, and whatever. Um, and that was because at that period of time, that's what my life felt like. The thing about each collection for my brand is that it's a very natural expression of where I am too. And some of that's intentional and some of it's unintentional and it just happens regardless of whether I want it to or not. And at that time I was learning so much stuff that it felt so urgent. Like every day I was being challenged in my beliefs and learning all this new information. And because of that, I felt like everyone needs to know all this stuff. Like I just learned all of it. I need to help other people learn it. And, you know, it wasn't any bad intent behind it, but at the same time, I know I was I was doing too much because at that point I wasn't allowing myself to sit in the motion and really be like, how does this make me feel though? What do I really intentionally want to create from this instead of creating out of that sense of urgency? And that was kind of the journey into the feminine energy, which is to just be still and let it come from within rather than frantically doing as much as I can all the time. So I, I can I can resonate with that. There's definitely been points in my life that I've come up on knowledge or come up on things. And I almost feel like I'm tapped into something that everyone else isn't. So I need to tell them because I don't know exactly know how to explain it. But it's it's more like I I feel like I have a duty that no one gave me yeah. to share this information. I so like, oh, I, because I felt that strong sense of purpose from when I was a little kid, I was always trying to figure out where it came from for a long time. And it was like, oh, this must be it. Mm. I must be the one to help people learn these things, you know? And I think, first of all, that's a huge responsibility to take on. And it leads to a lot of burnout and fear and anxiety. And at the same time, like I said before, people have their own things like people have everything inside of them to figure stuff out I don't have to be the one that comes along and figures it out for them like they've got it you know what I'm saying right like, yeah right and and honestly I think it might just be a misguided or misdirected use misdirected channeling of that inner purpose mm, yeah absolutely. because right? it's not it's not necessarily that this this burning desire inside of you to do something is like, oh, you need to tell everybody about what you're doing. But I think that you've been able to retool it and reshape it into doing something that's good for you. I think the cool thing about the purpose thing is that you really decide. And I used to take the idea that you decide your purpose as meaning, oh, I don't have any purpose then. Because if I'm just choosing something random, it seems to me less valid than for me to have a set out purpose coming to this earth because then it was assigned by some higher power. And so that seems, you know, more real to me. And I realized that like, I am the higher power. You are the higher power. We all are. Um, and so it's like, I'm choosing that, but I'm also the higher power choosing it. And so it is very valid. And it's like, I choose where I want that purpose to go. And then the universe just molds it around that everything aligns based on that. And so it's like I I could have continued down that road of trying to put all this knowledge out and stuff. And it I would have probably gone somewhere doing that. But at the same time, it wasn't that comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, you know, what I felt the true and most authentic path was for me to express my emotion. So I switched gears and then things just started flowing much more effortlessly. So I think following that is important. Have you ever been shaken in your beliefs since you have re-channeled this purpose, this desire within you? Not since then, but I have been shaken many times and it was in the, the more so, I mean, you're always learning, but I think there were stages that were more learning than just existing. You know, there was times that it was like a constant feeling of I'm always getting um, shaken, you know, and one of them was my grapplings with death because I also, you know, as we were talking about, I was a dramatic little kid. I also was petrified of death from as long as I can remember. I was like a little kid going to my first day of third grade and all I could think about in the playground, I was watching all these kids run around thinking about how we're all going to die, you know? And so it's been a, it's been a really big 
factor in my life. And I used to really, you know, I didn't care about my purpose. I didn't care about making art. I didn't care about any of those things because it seemed pointless to me. I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna die. (laughs) Like literally what's, what's the purpose in any of that? And I think that was the biggest thing because it's really hard to hold these spiritual beliefs and feel the purpose and the energy and stuff. And then just have this other looming belief that nothing matters. Mm -hmm. Those things they can correspond in very roundabout ways, like non-attachment, but it's really hard to hold both of those things together in a loving way. And so just finally figuring that out and what I believed about death was kind of the final moment. And since then, I haven't had any, you know, shaking feelings because what I believe isn't really based in knowledge anymore. It's just a gut feeling. It's Mm. just, you know, a deeper knowing and it can't really be put into words and so it's like no one can really come along and be like oh you believe this that's dumb and then it shakes me or something because it's not something that someone could even say to me it's something only that i can feel you know right right it's it's it's, yeah it's how you internalize what they're saying Mm -hmm. that's changed more than anything right yeah and i just know i know myself more now and i know you know i've had specific experiences that allowed me to enter inside of myself so deeply that it's just like you can't forget that there's nothing that could ever take that away from me or or shake my beliefs in that because I know how it felt and that's you know that's all that matters to me was was fashion ever a part of your life before you you started making clothes as a kid um like I said I was drawing outfits I think you know, as a young girl, too, it's it's almost super natural that fashion's going to be part because you play with dolls and you dress up their outfits. And my dad built a stage in our basement, and so we would do fashion shows, and I would do my sister's makeup for them. And it was always like, I'm going to put on this really cute outfit, and what am I going to wear to school, and, and that kind of thing. And I, it was really natural then. But there was a large period of time that it played absolutely no role in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think... That helps me be more grateful for it now because I cannot say that I always thought I would have a clothing brand or anything like that. And it kind of makes it really cool for me that it entered in because it seems more purposeful. It's like, oh, you know, I wouldn't have gone from not considering this at all to all of a sudden I wake up one morning and it's all I can think about for no reason. Like that came from somewhere, from some wisdom. And I think that's cool. Right. So what were you doing in that time period when fashion wasn't even in your realm of possibility a couple of things um one was learning how to interact with people because I I still call myself shy but this is nothing <laughs> compared to what I used to be I was very wary of people and just I like to keep to myself um so learning to interact with people and that kind of thing and just making friends for a long time was my main concern like I wasn't worried about making art or anything it was really just social interaction And then I was learning. Um, I went to college for psychology and philosophy. You know, it was it was partially the grapplings with death. It was partially just interest in humans. Um, And so, you know, I was always learning about stuff like that, which now does inform a lot of my design. And the last thing is that I was just an athlete. I ran competitively for a number of years, and that was just a huge part of my life it was my whole life (laughs) it was my whole life um and that gave me a really important sense of self that I carry into having a brand now because I got a really good work ethic from it Mm -hmm. It, it, it's just funny how in through all these conversations seeing how everything as a child or as growing up plays a part in what you do now Yeah, like really, since I've been listening to your interviews, I've been thinking about that more because I love that you ask everyone that question because it is so important. And I think we rarely think about it because you just kind of live in the present and you don't really step back all the time and look back to childhood and think about that. So, Um, so, I mean, you said that you you go to college and you're studying psychology at the beginning, but how, how do we get to this point now? When, when did having a brand, when did fashion starts to become a serious thing that that you wanted to consider that you wanted to turn this thing that you enjoyed when you were younger into something that you could possibly eat off of the thing about all of it the psychology the fashion whatever 
I feel like I've been trying to express the same thing throughout all of those stages. It's just how I've chosen to express it or how I've learned to express it. So it's like this internal feeling that I have that wants to be expressed has always been there. The inspiration to actually move to fashion, though, more tangibly came from this random. I, it was it was around COVID time and I was spending lots of time alone at that point and making a lot of art because I had a lot of free time and I had this guided intuition message one day when I woke up in the morning that I wanted to start a clothing brand and it was so random but it also didn't feel random um, because it came from intuition it didn't come from you know like an intrusive thought it was very different and I didn't doubt it like there was never a moment after that that I doubted it and the name came pretty effortlessly from that and I already knew I I knew what I would do if I had a clothing brand Um, I think I'm still trying to express that because since that point, my resources and sewing skill have had to catch up. And they still, you know, sometimes I still run into issues where I have a really cool concept that I want to make. But, you know, for me to actually construct it, I, I require resources or skills that I don't have yet. And I'll get there. But that's just been the natural progression. So. Right. I, and I feel like that's a very ethereal statement just to wake up and have this premonition and you're like, yep, I'm going to make clothes now. Was, was there even anything that you can recall that may have set you down this path to have that feeling? The funny thing, I mean, yes, but nothing that was clothing related. Like I said, there was moments that I was trusting my creativity again and creating things again, but it was never clothing related. And so that was kind of the piece that was like, you know, crazy but I also didn't see it as crazy um because I think like I said before I've had that feeling of connection to nature my whole life and the feeling of purpose and so it was almost natural that when this this intuition came to me of course I'm gonna follow it because I've been feeling like I've I've been preparing for that for so long so it's like you know there it is I've been waiting for that I've been asking the universe for it so of course you know there it is right so we're in COVID you wake up and the universe blesses you with this (laughs) dream-like purpose and drive and desire to go and create clothes but what what did the the early days of the brand look like how did you come up on the name actually like when when you put it down on paper what did it look like what were the early sketches looking like all all those pre what we see now days It's so fun to talk about. It's like my little child and I'm talking about when it was first born. You know what I'm saying? It's like so cool. But basically, so the name Beautiful Psychotic symbolizes yin and yang and the polarity of the feminine and the masculine. And basically how in order to have a beautiful experience as above, so below, an equally, you know, dark experience must occur. Um, And so think about it. This name comes about during COVID, a time where we are all kind of facing our mortality and just the darkness of being alone and inside, but it's also springtime. And so we look outside and we're seeing these new flowers blooming and, you know, the beautiful grass is green again and there's leaves on the trees. And so it almost felt like weird because it was like, there's all this beauty, but I feel all these dark emotions. And it was kind of out of that, that the name came to be. And it came to me similarly as the idea of a brand. It was literally a guided intuition. All of a sudden, like, I struggled for a name for about a week. I set it down. I was like, I'm trying too hard. Law of least effort. I'm putting this away. It'll come to me when it does. And all of a sudden, one day, beautiful psychotic just pops into my brain. And I'm like, that's perfect. That's what I'm going to do. And I would never change the name now. Um, And the first collections were, you know, I'll say basic, but in a loving way, uh, they were definitely the groundwork. I didn't really know how to design yet. So like my personality didn't go into the design so much as I was just trying to feel out what it meant to design, if that makes any sense. And so I made a pretty basic t-shirt. I made two different shirts. I was learning how to sew. So they had to be pretty basic. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to make them. I was just learning how to get fabrics and all of that stuff. So, you know, it was basic in a loving way. Um, and since then I've really been able to 
develop what feels like me in my designs. And so they're not just kind of like cookie cutter, you know, things that I've seen other people do. And I reiterate, it's more so like, this is what I want to express and this is how I'm going to do it. And it feels like me. What were the other names that you wrestled with? I don't know if I ever asked you that. They're not very good. Um, I think they all, they, one of them was like blue world. They were all like, I was trying to be, it all had to do with nature mm-hmm. um, because I knew that's what, you know, connected me and my brand, but it was nothing that really resonated. Like, I don't even remember the others because they didn't fit so much that I'd never even like, you know, really sat with them for long. So, right. yeah. So you said that you dropped some t-shirts that was like the very early stages of the brand BP, Beautiful Psychotic. I don't know if anybody else calls it I don't that. like BP. You don't? No. All it right. sounds like the gas station. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but see, when I say it, I only think of it as that. Hey, I'm bigger than BP, the yep, gas yep, station. Yep, okay. Yep. All right. As well as you say that, it's fine then. Um, at what point in your mind were you able to look from an outside perspective and be like, damn, I might, I might have something on my hands here with this? Every day. And not in a... I'm the shit type of way more just so it wouldn't be something that was presented to me unless I did have something unique to um, express. I don't believe that that message would have come to me or that the resources would continue to come to me unless the universe was telling me constantly, you have something unique to bring to this and it needs to be expressed. So Every day. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I guess off of that, then, well, what's the first project that you looked at and you were like, damn, I'm, I'm proud of this? Well, Younger Grace was proud of her first collection. Medium Grace was proud of the collection she did at that point. Grace Today is proud of the collection that she just put out. I mean, I grow with them, so I think I'm proud of each one. However, I'm proud of my collection now in a different way because... It's not just anymore. It's not just, oh, I I made a collection, period. Like, that's just cool because I did that. Now it's more, I'm proud of it because it's real to me and Mm -hmm. it feels real and I express something real here. Yeah, you're able to articulate your ideas better Mm -hmm. as you progress. Yeah, it's like when you ask the question, like, have you ever been in love before? You look back on it and you're like, I don't know if that was love. But then you're like, well, to her, it like to that younger version of myself, it was. So I look back on it and I'm like, I was proud in the moment of all those things. I can look back on it now and be like, that first collection was basic, you know, but at the same time, at that moment, that was a really big moment for me. Yeah, and and I'm sure that people that have seen it from the very beginning, because I picked it up, what, how how long in in the journey do you think I'd say? Year and a half? Yeah. So that's, I mean, you've already kind of got your bearings under you. You understand what... Yeah, you met me... So in my mind, the first collection that really allowed me to step into my own when it came to designing something that felt like me was the first collection that you encountered, which mm-hmm. was all of nature's dimensions are visible. Within. Right. That was the one that I was able to show at the Miami show. And that was to me, that was the first collection that really like I trusted myself and I just really, you know, kind of differentiated myself in that way. I wasn't mimicking anything or, or whatever. It was just very true to myself. Yeah. And then. For those that don't know, this was an exhibition that you were a part of at Miami University, the college that you went to, um, their annual runway show that you were able to be a designer for. And I feel like that really was a point in the brand's life cycle to this point that it kind of exploded and was able to come on everyone's radar as like, oh, this is a real thing it's not just t-shirts and hoodies yeah part of that is that I got to work with a lot of cool people it always is the exposure based on real connections that you make with people um and being able to collaborate in ways with people that make art as well so even if that's a photographer you know models for a collection people that are doing the background work for the show all of those people are collaborating to make something happen and I think when you have that team feeling, it just makes it explode in a way because everyone cares. Everyone wants it to explode. Everyone wants their energy to be seen. So that was just really important. Yeah. So we get through the Miami show in the summer. This past summer, you release some things. You do swimsuit line, all that. But I think the big thing that, that 
makes sense to jump to is your own solo show that you did in December, that you did this past December, um, Organic Expansion. Mm -hmm. First off, I don't know how you influenced me to model, but <laughs> model in a, in a setting like that, because I, I would never see myself doing anything like that, but I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I had a lot of fun and was able to connect with a lot of cool people and added an extra layer of loving everything that had to do with that. But talk, talk to me about your view of, of everything. How, how did the name Organic Expansion come together for the show? Um, how do you feel about the lead up, the actual execution, the post, all, all the feelings? So the name, first of all, the collection was formulated from my experiences this past summer with nature, like all collections, but this past summer, certain circumstances that I went through specifically seemed to keep throwing in my face almost that nature was so powerful and that we had to honor that in a way. Um, and so the message that I knew I wanted to bring through this show and this collection was nature will persevere regardless of circumstance, whether you want it to or not, whether it goes against what you might have in your vision, the laws of nature will always prevail. Um, and so, you know, that's also inherent to a lot of growth. Even if you're, you're feeling tired and you don't want to keep moving forward, you, you will, and you'll always continue to expand because that is just the nature of things in this universe. It's constantly expanding. So there you can see organic expansion was pretty natural after that concept. Um, it's basically the exact words that I was using to describe the collection. The collection was a juxtaposition of darker materials with living elements. So in one of my dresses, I had live mushrooms growing out of it. I had a model holding live mushrooms that I grew. Um, just, you know, pops of color um, juxtaposed against these dark fabrics to kind of show the yin and yang and the the prevailing aspect, you know, in the midst of darkness, basically. The the lead up to the show was crazy. I mean, it was it was well organized. We had started planning it far enough ahead that it wasn't just a last minute thing by any means. And so I kind of had planned out exactly what I needed to get done going going up to it. Um, and I had amazing people working with me. So even when it came to the flyer or the monologue for the show, my friend Stretch that lives in New York was able to help with that. Um, he's amazing at graphic design. I had Felicity, my main creative partner. She is the best. She is so talented in so many ways. She was my right hand for this whole thing, um, helping me every single day, organizing stuff. We would meet all the time. We would go over details. We would, we did a casting for the show. We set up the venue together. We, you know, planned every single aspect, the rehearsal, everything. Uh, she was there through every, every step, and that made it a lot easier because I had this person that I could count on regardless, and lots of other people, friends, family, the models, everyone. It went really smoothly. Honestly, I had a lot of stress just because, like I said, it was a huge thing that I had never done. But in terms of, you know, it going smoothly, it went great. Like everything went really well and I'm really grateful for that. So most challenging part about the whole thing. Talking to people that much. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could say something else, but I'm really good all easily. It's it's easy for me to plan stuff out and get things done myself, but you know, it's for something like that, you have to work with other people. And it's not that I don't want to, but it, it can drain me sometimes. The day of the show, I was talking from 12 a.m. till, you know, 12 p.m. when we left. I even think it was later. like 2 p.m. Yeah. at 2 a.m. I don't even know. But I was tired. I was so tired from talking. And it's not that I don't love all the people. It just drains me in a, in a way. But I'm glad I got that in because going forward, I'll be that much better at it. Right. And then I feel like this is obvious, but most rewarding part. Well, everyone that was involved got to, you know, get their mark out there in a way. Like there were so many artists, models, people involved that I'm just really glad got to have the platform for a moment to showcase themselves and put their energy out there so that people could see what they were doing too. Um, because honestly, you know, it was technically like my brand show, but it did not feel like mine. I mean, 
I wanted that show to go smoothly at that point because I cared about all the people that were involved and I wanted it to be rewarding for them because we all put in so much work. So the fact that it was rewarding for everyone involved and everyone really enjoyed it and felt exhilarated and inspired by it was definitely the most rewarding. Most part. definitely. Most definitely. And I, I could see the impact that it made in the area that you held it in. So so let's talk about that. How do, how do you feel like it it hit in, in that specific area and, and talk about where it was held? So it was in Sandusky, Ohio, which is only about 15 minutes from here on, which is where I grew up. And I basically grew up in Sandusky too. Most of my friends were from Sandusky. I really did grow up there too, and I hold it really dear to my heart. The thing about Sandusky though is that it's definitely emerging. There is more of an art scene than there ever has been. But comparatively to other cities like maybe Columbus or New York or something like that, it's really hard for creators to make a name for themselves because there's a lot of competition and there's not a lot of resources for people in that industry. It's, it is more of a tourist town, and yeah. so most of the resources go to that. And so looking at that, this was the first event of its kind to ever be in this area. I And I don't just mean, you know, a small brand. I mean, I've never seen a fashion show the whole time growing up there anywhere near here on our Sandusky. And so it was amazing to be able to have that and be able to say this is the first of its kind. It was also difficult at times because we lacked the resources for that. There was no existing framework for how to do it. We just kind of had to pave the way. But at the same time... It was really cool, and, you know, it was such a big deal that we even got, you know, an article front page on the newspaper, stuff like that, because it had never been done. People were really interested in it and really open to it. I could even tell during the show, like, watching some of the audience members, because I could see from the backstage, sometimes, you know, stuff would come out, and you could tell people didn't know exactly how to react, but they loved it. They loved just being there, but you could tell it was very new, Um, and I just think that's cool, because I could go to New York... Um, I could go to LA and do a show, but I'm never going to have that exact experience Mm -hmm. because everywhere else people, you know, they've seen 20 other shows. It's right. It still can be really cool and unique, but it's not going to be the same. Right. You know, I think, I think what would be crazy is if when you get to this level of insane notoriety and you're having all these crazy names come to the show, if you ran it back in Sandusky, but like in, in, in like a bigger Yes. Setting maybe, or maybe even the same setting, but just like. That would be crazy. You know. That would be so cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea too. It's not like, oh, I did this show in Sandusky, now I dip and I, you know, leave that all behind. Um, I want to bring all those people up with me, all those people that have helped me along the way. Like, I pay very close attention to who is supporting my brand, not in a, you know, not in a malicious way, like, oh, if you don't support me, then you suck. But like, more just like. I want to pay it back to them eventually. Like people that are in my photo shoots and for my brand right now that don't get paid yet or model in my show, they don't get paid yet. Like all the people that help me run it all and just love my brand and express that. Like I'm taking them with me, you know, like I'm going to put them on wherever I can and give them resources wherever I can too. So, right. I mean, this, this has been a very, a very fun conversation. Um, we, we talk every day, but talking in this way, taking on these roles um, we don't do very often, if ever. So um, before we continue, I just want to say thank you for doing this with me. I know we were both a little nervous before <laughs> we started recording just because we, we do talk all the time, but um, I think it was very constructive and I feel maybe even closer to you now after hearing all these responses that, that you've had to share. Um, our first conversation was an interview. Don't true. forget that. This is true. That's how he slid. Yo, chill, chill, chill. <laughs> you can't give out the tools. You can't give out the tools. Um, so, so as as I start to round this out, um, the next question I have for you: there, there's been a running theme of your artistic perspective and how you, what you bring to your work and what you want to communicate with your work, but. In your own words, what do you think makes your specific perspective unique? Above all, the answer that applies to everyone is that I have a unique perspective based on my experience, my energy, my soul. So inherently, I have a unique creativity. But um, I will say for myself, the connection to nature 
um, lends its way to knowledge about specific concepts such as mycelium, um, mushrooms in general, and the psychology that goes along with all of that that allows me to incorporate those things in a very interesting way into my garments. So if you look at the clothes that I make, or art in general, um, it's all inspired by mycelium and mushrooms and that kind of thing. And that's something that I haven't really seen. I think it's kind of beginning to, there's kind of beginning to be a space for that as people learn more about mycelium and stuff like that. But to me, that's what sets my designs at least apart from other designs is that I really, you know, draw a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah. And I'm sure we could have a whole nother episode <laughs> about mushrooms. Yeah, good. And the mushroom episode. Yeah. For real. <laughs> Next thing I have for you is in what ways do you see yourself evolving or what in what ways would you like to evolve for the next collection that you have in five years, 10 years, however, however far ahead you want to look. I think I am really putting a lot more value on slowing down and letting the collections come to me. So over the next few years, I don't have a tangible number of, oh, I want to release 10 collections or five or whatever, but it's really that I want to make sure that I am putting out what really feels real to me and at the highest quality I can do it at with whatever resources I have at that point. The other thing that I hope to evolve in is, and I know that this will happen, I have total faith that this will happen, but I think to take it to the next level, it's really at this point about meeting the right people because I've shown myself that I can do a lot of cool things. I can put on a show, I can make these collections, whatever. So in the next few years, I really hope to see myself evolve in the way that I have a mentor and I meet people that are going to help me build connections in this area and I form really important you know, authentic connections with these people and make friends in this area and and that kind of thing. That's really important to me. Right. And you, you might've already said it, but, uh, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to ask (laughs) it. What's next? What, what can we expect? Let's, let's, let's shorten it up. Maybe not in five, 10 years, but Mm -hmm. maybe here, here soon. I am entering back into feminine mode, um, entering back into the, potential energy mode where I let designs come to me and I just formulate them and I exist in this web of ideas and let what comes out of it come out of it. So I'll start making my next collection whenever I feel, you know, the time is right. I already have a ton of ideas I want to sketch down and I can't say, oh, it'll be out in March or whatever, but it'll, it'll be coming. So, you know, you can look forward to that. Word, bet it, bet it, bet it. We're always trying to grow the audience. We're trying to tap into as many areas of the culture that we can. Culture with a capital C. So who in your mind would make a good guest on the podcast? There's a lot. You've interviewed a few because I actually met a lot of people in Columbus based on people you interviewed because they're obviously super cool people. So I can't say that. that doesn't. Those people don't count. They've already been here. Felicity... From Sandusky, my creative partner, my friend, uh, would be amazing. Um, I know she's not local to Columbus, but definitely her above anyone else, um, I would have to say. So. Got you. And then it's always the best segue. This is your shout-out track. As many <laughs> names as you want. Go ahead. Can I shout-out you? If you like. <laughs> shout-out Jason. Um, shout-out... My sisters, Ava and Addie, my parents, Brian, Leanne, Cynthia, Rick. Um, Shout out my grandma. She was mentioned a few times in this episode. Shout out my dog, the Harley, the cute, cute Harley. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Shout out Felicity. And everyone else, you know who you are. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, There's way more than that. I don't know. I'm on the spot. So, you know, I love you. Cool, cool. All right. Last question I have for you. I don't want you to think on it too hard, but I know you are a psychologist, a psychology person by trade. So give 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 some game to, to the people. Favorite psychology principle, favorite psychology idea. Ooh, this is a really good question. My favorite psychology principle has to be 
the concept of the placebo effect. Because at first glance, people think of the placebo effect as, you know, things are less real because you can trick yourself into believing them. However, I take this as we see things as we are, meaning you can create your reality based on what you believe. So if I believe something for myself with enough enough time and repetition, it's going to manifest physically in my body and my mind. And I think that's really beautiful because... You know, it's a scientific concept, and I always love where science and spirituality intersect. So it is a scientific concept, but it gives way to this very spiritual concept of manifestation and really shows that we are all creators and we all co-create the world around us. So yeah, that's my favorite. Boom. There you have it. Anything else you got to add? Um, um, no. Quick, quick, <laughs> quick. Anything? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, no. <laughs> and there you have it the official grace moser beautiful psychotic interview man huge shout out to grace for coming on the podcast and talking with me i'm so thankful that i'm able to see the expansion firsthand but like i said before this just brought me a whole new perspective and grew my connection even closer to everything. You can follow Grace and Beautiful Psychotic on Instagram at Beautiful Psychotic or GMoser444 to keep up with the latest drops, the new collections, all that, all that. In terms of Noid TV, you know where to find us at annoyed.tv on Instagram or annoyedtv.com for all your updated blog posts and episodes. We're going out with Lens V2 featuring Travis Scott, the second song that Grace chose for us. As always, I'm your host, Jason Megacy, and you're listening to Annoyed TV.